0: All right, well welcome, welcome today. We're so glad to have you. Um, We have uh, this amazing series starting up. I'm really excited to be launching it off today. It's all about Jesus and who Jesus is. Uh, My title of the message today is called This Is Jesus. Your notes are in your worship guide if you need that to follow along with. They will be on the screen and I promise you this week they are lined up. (coughs) Give me a second here. They are lined up perfectly because I put them in myself, and I didn't change anything. So all of you Type A people, don't raise your hands. Bless you. Keep you. Have an amazing day. You're gonna have. You're gonna be so happy for the rest of the week. Um, who knows that? Pretty much, no one has a problem with Jesus. Pretty much. I mean, yes, yeah, some people do, but percentage-wise, people are like, okay, Jesus was a good guy. Like we like Jesus, but usually. The problem comes in with his people, right? Like, we're like, uh, I don't know if I like the church that much, but I, I love Jesus. Like, I want to follow him with all my heart, but I have a hard time with Jesus. So part of this message series is about who Jesus is, but how do we become like Jesus? We have to have our, our laser focus vision on who Jesus is so that we can become like him. During our our prayer gathering this morning, which you're all invited to, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. we get together and we pray over this whole room. We pray for 30 minutes together as a church. You are invited to come individually. All of you are. Uh, but we, Pastor Anna, shared this, and I was like, I got to start off with this because it's it's like awesome. So if you've ever read the Passion Translation, which I know I've talked about this a lot lately, um, in the the notes here on the Matthew five. The Sermon on the Mount is the Messianic Torah or the law of, or of the teaching and the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. So what we're talking about today is we're starting this series called Kingdom Come. And when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, that was the constitution of what it meant to be a Christian. And now he's not saying we're throwing away the Ten Commandments or anything like that. He's saying, I want to bring fresh new life to this religious uh, organization, this church, this uh, religion that we have, Christianity. I want to bring this fresh to you, and he read this uh, Sermon on the Mount. You can read it later if you want, but it's awesome. It's about the kingdom of God being here right now, and we can live in the kingdom of God. Um, I want to start my message today in—give me a second. I had to do something different to get that. So I want to start in Mark 4. Or Mark 1 4 through 8 and it's incredibly important to know that I'm just going straight through the first chapter of Mark today. If you want to follow along on a paper Bible, you can or you can open up your Bible. I'm going to be in the Passion Translation. It's Mark uh, 1 4. It starts with John the baptizer was the messenger who appeared in an unhabit- unhabited uninhabited region preaching a baptism of repentance for the complete cancellation of sins. A steady stream of people came to be dipped in the Jordan River. I love the word dip. That's just fun. As they publicly confessed their sins, they came from all over southern southern Israel, which I kind of picture like southern part of America. They have a draw, I'm guessing. Maybe not. That's a joke. Laugh. Make me feel good. They come from all. I made that up on the spot. I didn't write that in including nearly all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. John wore a rough garment made from camel hair, which I assume is not very comfortable, but I don't know, um, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts, which sounds disgusting, and honey in the wilderness. And this is the message he kept preaching. There is a man coming after me who is greater and a lot more powerful than I am. I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. I've been baptized I, I've baptized you into water, but he will baptize you into the spirit of holiness. And I believe that my first point today is so important. we have to start right here. Jesus follows humility. Jesus will follow after humility. If you have humility in your life, if you can recognize that Jesus is is the one who's doing all of the work, if you can have that point of view in your life, Jesus will come after that. He will come with you along on the ride with you. Uh, We talked a little bit last week about confidence. We have to have confidence in our relationship with Jesus. He gives us confidence, but it is a humble confidence, knowing that the power is not coming from me, it's coming from the one who came before me, the, the one who came and saved me. That's where our power comes from. That's where our confidence comes from. We don't need to have, I mean, yeah, we can be confident in who we are because of who Jesus is. There is no room in the kingdom of God for arrogance. And some of us struggle with it. And I've struggled with it. Arrogance typically comes out of insecurity. We struggle to know who we are. And so we have to puff ourselves up in order to make us seem stronger and better. And it is, it's a bad place to be. And I still struggle with it a little bit, but I have gone through a season in my life of being humbled. My wife and I, we went to, um, let me tell you, we were humbled. We went to uh, start a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to do great. Like we raised money and we told everybody what we're doing. And some of you have heard this story a little bit before, but... We get down there in like every single door shuts. We thought we were going to do it on our own strength. We thought we were going to be able to do this with our own like power or whatever, whatever that means now. When we were down in, I say down because we lived in northern Indiana, went down to southern Indiana where Indianapolis is. Uh, we went to Indianapolis and we went through a season of just being humbled. And uh, I don't wish that on anyone. But I do, ask, I do ask if it needs to happen, it needs to happen. And we do need to experience, to know that Jesus is the power. He is the one who does anything. And when we follow him, we will be led in strength. So again, I hope you guys don't have to go through anything like that. But it is a good healing process. Mark 1, 9 through 10 says, one day Jesus came from the Galilean village of Nazareth, and had John immerse him in the Jordan River. The moment Jesus rose up out of the water, John saw the heavenly realm split open, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him. I love this, this passage because what it's saying here is Jesus obviously did not need to be baptized. He is God. He does not need to be baptized to say that I've done all these things to show G- God that I am good enough or, or that I'm going to follow him. But guess what? Jesus practices what he preaches. That's exactly why he did this. He said, I am here, and I'm going to pave the way, and I'm going to do this just so everyone else knows that I am, I am living 100% the human life, and I'm going to show you the example of how to do it the perfect way. He calls all of us to be baptized in water, that wasn't really part of my message, but know that he practices what he preaches. He practices what he preaches, so he'll never ask you to do something that he was not willing or actually did in his life. He did it all. Mark one twelve says, immediately after he was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into an uninhabited desert region. So I love this. Right after he gets baptized, the Holy Spirit talks to him. He says, and the Spirit calls him to go into a desert region, which if you look back in the Old Testament, which is on the left side of your Bible, you'll see all kinds of times throughout the passages that the Old Testament prophets went into a desert region to hear more clearly from God. This is a lot like what we did in January, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, Who knows, when you fast from food or you fast from anything, it's a desert region, guys. Like, you are miserable most of the time. You're like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. I don't want to be here. But it is a way for us to seclude ourselves in order to hear better and be undistracted from what God wants to speak to us. And Jesus did this. The Holy Spirit compelled Jesus. We can live that same life. If we feel the Holy Spirit compelling us to do something, we need to do it. It is very difficult at first. You're like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. Like, oh, my, he wants me to talk to who? I'm an introvert. I just want to be in the background. I don't want to do that. But he's asking you to take a step of boldness, and he is in you, living through you, and he would not ask you to do something that you are unable to do with his strength. I like that. Thank you, guys. Mark 1, 14 through 15 says, later on, after John the baptizer, side note, I love that they call him the baptizer in this translation because it's not like he's part of a denomination, John the Baptist. He is the baptizer. He baptizes people. It's not his last name. The is not his middle name. He is the baptizer. He was arrested. Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful, love it, wonderful gospel The good news of Jesus, of himself, the gospel of God's kingdom realm. His message was this. This is his message. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. Some of you are here today. And there's a lot of different options you could be thinking of. But you might be here today and you just kind of limped in, which thank you. You came to the right place. You're going to get life today. Jesus brings life. You have an opportunity to turn your life back to what Jesus has called you to. This is what he wants for you. He wants you to have hope, to trust in the hope-filled gospel. There's always something forward to look forward to with the gospel Jesus wants to do that in your life. And so today, you can make that decision to give your life back to him, no matter where you've been. And I, 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 I stretch to say sometimes that, I'm going to step on some toes if you're okay. I believe that there are a lot of cases where people come to church for maybe their entire life, but they've never surrendered their life to Jesus. And that is the scariest thing as a pastor to me that people would be going through the motions and that they wouldn't have ever actually given their life to Jesus and surrendered everything in their life to him. Now, we're all a work in progress. We're all trying to give more of ourselves to him. But I'm saying, have you ever given your life to Jesus, surrendered it all to him? Matthew, let's see here, uh, Matthew 3, 1 through 2. This goes a little bit into the Mark passage I was just in. It was at that time that John the baptizer began to preach in the desert of Judah. His message was this. The realm of heaven's kingdom is about to appear, so you'd better keep turning away from evil and turn back to God. It's a constant battle. It's like, oh, evil, you look good. Like, oh, I got to turn back. I got to turn back. Evil looks good. Oh, my gosh. I got to turn back. Okay? You've got... uh, It's going to happen. You're going to get turned into whatever evil looks like in your life, whatever your struggle is. It could be one thing or another. It could be something we all struggle with or something that just you struggle with. You have to turn back to the good that Jesus wants to do in your life. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all of the province of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. Mark 1, 16 through 20, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, and this is it, we, did, we talked about, we did this verse uh, two or three weeks ago, this is the beginning of the church, these are the first disciples that he came and he, and he grabbed and he said, follow me, so what we're doing here today, it all started on this day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea and said to them, come follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. I said this a couple weeks ago, but I love how he uses other people's language, things that they understand in order for them to understand what he's trying to do in them. And I believe that's the job of a pastor. That's the job of a Christian who's trying to bring other people into relationship with him. We have to understand what other people are going through and understand so that we can tell them. That's the job of a missionary. When someone goes overseas into another country, the first thing they do, the training, I actually went through, I trained to be a missionary. Had no, uh, I, I had no purpose. I never wanted to be a missionary, but I knew that the United States is a mission field. Okay? That's why I did it. And this is what a missionary does. The first thing they do when they go into training is learn the language. You go from the United States to Mexico, you don't know Spanish, you're going to struggle a little bit. (laughs) Like, you're going to struggle. So it's our job to learn the language. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. You've got to learn the language. You've got to understand what people are thinking, what they're going through, what they need, what they like. Learn the language. Immediately, they dropped their nets, and they're like, we get it, Jesus. Okay, I like this. You're cool. I'm cool. We're going for it. Walking a little farther, Jesus found two brothers sitting in a boat along with their, uh, along with their father mending their nets. Their names were Jacob and John, and their father was Zebedee. Great name, by the way. Jesus immediately walked up to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. At once, Jacob and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their father in the boat, and hired men and followed Jesus. It was like that. It was like that. It was boom. They heard. They knew it was the right thing to do. They left everything to follow him. And that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to be willing to leave everything behind. Everything that goes against what he's doing needs to go behind us. He's not always gonna call you to leave your family and things like that, but it is a drastic relationship that we have with him. Jesus walks with people. He's not just calling you to follow him and follow the leader. He actually walks with his people. He walks beside you. He walks with you. He can hear you when you're talking to him right now. You can speak to him. He will give you the confidence that you need in your life. He will help heal the brokenness that you have in your life. He will help bring life into your life so that you can feel alive again and ready for whatever it is that he actually calls you to do. I say this over and over again because I think it's a big deal in our culture. I believe that there are many of you here today who are either retired or you're in jobs that are not your calling. Very dangerous thing to say because it could unravel a lot of things, but I believe that God calls us to certain things in our life. Some of you are in the sweet spot, like you're there, you're ready to go, but some of us, if you're retired or if you're in the wrong job, you probably know it, you just haven't like figured it out yet, and you just need to pray and figure out what God wants for you. There are a lot of things that go into switching jobs. You can only take one step at a time, but God has something big for every single one of you. And it may not seem big to every one of us. What I do may not seem big to you, but what you do may not seem like what I want to do. But if you are called to it, that is the biggest and best thing in your life. Jesus wants that for you. One of our, our values here is to discover your purpose. God has gifted each person, and we say this all the time, Every person in this room is a 10 out of a 10 at something. Our job as pastors is we want to help launch you into what God is calling you to do. And then the fourth uh, vision statement is make a difference. We take what God is doing inside of us and take it out to make a difference. Mark 21 through 26 says, Then Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and he immediately started teaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. Uh oh the people were awestruck and overwhelmed overwhelmed by his teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated god's authority which was quite unlike the religious scholars suddenly during the meeting a demon-possessed man screamed out hey leave us alone jesus the victorious i know who you are your god's holy one and you have come to destroy us yes he has He's come to destroy everything in your life that is destroying your life right now. He has come to be victorious in your life. I was thinking just, I don't even know where this fits in, but this is going to be a church of people who may not fit in other churches. This is going to be a church of people who may not feel comfortable in church. This is a church of people who we will be just like a a group of people, but we're going to move with a mission that Jesus is calling us to. He's going to make, he's going to do works through this church, these people, you guys, in ways that maybe we've never seen before. And it's going to happen like this. Jesus rebuked him saying, silence, you are bound, come out of him. Whatever it is in your life right now, whatever it is in the lives of the people that you hang out with the most, he wants to say, silence, you are bound, come out of him. He wants to bring healing. This is going to be a house of miracles 26 the man's body shook violently in spasms i'm glad i wasn't there i mean yeah i'd love to see it but that's too much and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek and let me tell you jesus makes people uncomfortable he is going to make us uncomfortable we have to be prepared to be uncomfortable that is a calling as a Christian. One of the things we actually do here is we want to make new people feel comfortable. You should feel comfortable when you come in, but once Jesus takes care of your life and he takes control of your life, it's very uncomfortable. He's going to call you to things that are just, you literally, you can't ask him for more than one step because if you knew the second step or the third step, you would say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to go through that. All of that is too much. I said yes to this, but now I have to go through this. You would not say yes. But Jesus is calling you to take step one. And I'm sure a lot of you are getting a sense or a feeling or uh, the Spirit might be talking to you about what that first step is going to be in your life. Mark 1, 27 through 28. The crowd was awestruck. Did I read that already? Yeah. The crowd was awestruck and unable to stop saying among themselves, what is this new teaching that comes in such with, th- with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons to come out and they obey him. That's the power of God. The power of God that lives in us today. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire through every community in the region of Galilee. Jesus is the best news. His news will spread like wildfire in this community. When you tell other people what Jesus is doing in your life and then other people are like, oh my goodness, what is happening? I know many of you who are like, I went through the, the Freedom Group last semester and a small group push right here. And Jesus changed my life. I've been following Jesus for all my life, but I have never experienced Jesus like that. I have never experienced healing like that. And when you spread that wildfire, it will go crazy all over this community. People want healing in their life. You want healing in your life. And that is exactly what he wants to bring. Mark 129 through 34. Now, as soon as they left the meeting, they went straight to Simon and Andrew's house, along with Jacob and John. Simon's mother-in-law was bedridden, sick with a high fever, so so the first thing they did was tell Jesus about her. He walked up to her beside her gently took her hand and raised her up her fever disappeared and she began to serve them just like just like that like that is what Jesus does he changes everything like he go he takes people from what they were until what they want to be what Jesus calls them to 32 later in the day just after the sabbath had ended at sunset The people kept bringing to Jesus all who were sick and tormented by demons. That's what we're supposed to do. Everyone we know, everyone we know who we know needs Jesus, we need to bring them to him. We need to show them who Jesus is. We need to bring them into the body. Until the whole village was crowded around the house, Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, but he would not permit the demons to speak. They had no authority. He had all the the authority because they knew who He really was. Sickness wants no part of Jesus, They, they flee from Jesus. Jesus heals people, Jesus heals people. He heals them physically, he heals them spiritually, he heals them mentally, he heals them emotionally, he heals them, I think I said mentally, I don't know, mentally, he wants to heal you from the inside out. He wants to continue to bring healing into your life in ways that you may never have imagined. And that is who Jesus is, and that's who he wants you to be. Mark 1:35 through 37. The next morning, Jesus got up long before the daylight i love it because i love getting up early in the morning too. i've got a baby right now so that's usually why i'm getting up but i love getting up early in the morning left the house while it was dark and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer again he he pulls himself away he pulls himself away so that he can give himself completely to his father so that he can hear what he's saying because Yeah, God can speak through anything. He could scream at your face right now and you'd get it, right? But what he wants us to do, he has methods in which he teaches us to do. He wants you to seclude yourself so that you can hear him clearly. Some of us are introverts. I'm actually an introvert. I like to be by myself sometimes. I love this. Some of us are are extroverts and we're like, uh uh-uh. Once I get by myself, I start talking to myself and every you know, it's crazy. But he asks us, to seclude ourselves everyone and then uh, later Simon and his friends search for him and when they finally tracked him down they told him everyone is uh, looking for you they want you and I believe Jesus demonstrates rest also Jesus demonstrates rest we're yeah we want to reach people we want to go crazy and we want to do everything that God calls us to do but there is a balance of life that God calls us to He calls us to balance. And one of the things, if you join our dream team, if you go through growth track and learn about our church and and where you fit in and all of that, what it is that you wanna fit in, one of the things that we preach hardest is, hey, are you taking a Sabbath? A Sabbath is a day of rest every day or every week that God commands to us. Did you know that? He commands that we take it. It's one of the 10 commandments. And so he calls us to that rest. And so we take that very seriously. Are you taking a Sabbath? We want to help you with that. Are you resting? Are you able to have energy? Because you can't do ministry without energy. You can't do life without energy. You have to have rest in order to get the energy that you're called to. God wants us to do a lot of things, but we have to work out of rest. Mark 1:40 40 through 42 says, On one occasion, a leper came and threw himself down in front of Jesus, pleading for his healing, pleading, saying, you have the power to heal me right now if only you really want to, being deeply moved. I love it. Jesus isn't a robot, guys. Like, he's deeply moved. With tender compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the skin of the leper and told him, of course, I want you to be healed, so now be cleansed. Instantly, this lep- the leprous sores completely disappeared, and his skin became smooth. Jesus responds to faith. He responds to your faith. And we see stories like this, and we see the Bible, how it talks about instantly being healed. And this is a struggle point for Christians and non-Christians. He doesn't always answer us the way that we feel like he should answer us. Jesus wants to heal you, and he might be working in another area of your life before he starts in on the area that you come to him with immediately. He might be healing your spirit, he might be healing your mental health, he might be healing other areas of your life, but Jesus responds to your faith. Guys, he was pleading. That is a place of complete humility. You don't see people who are um, struggling with arrogance come in complete humility like that. You do not see people come with that kind of faith. So we have to start with our humility. Who is the one who has all the power? Who is the one who created all this? In Colossians, it says he holds everything together. If you've read that verse and you're like, oh, yeah, he holds everything. Do you understand what that means? I wrote like... I wrote 15 pages on this in Bible college 25 years ago. No, 15 years ago. Um, You see these chairs here? He's not just holding the hooks together, but every single atom inside of these chairs is being held together by the power of God. Everything. This, he could make this disappear right now. The power of God holds this together at all times. He doesn't just hold us together in unity. Yes, that's that's bigger than even holding a chair together, but he holds everything together. This entire planet could just disappear, and it could disappear like it had never even existed if that's what he wanted. He holds it all together at all times. That is the person we put our confidence in, the God we put our confidence in. We have to humble ourselves in order to follow him with everything that we have. Mark 1, 43 through 44 says... Jesus sent him away with a very stern warning saying don't say anything. He this is after the healing here. He's like don't say anything to anyone about what just happened, but go find a priest and show him what that you've been healed. Then bring the offering that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a living testimony to everyone. Jesus is pure. Jesus is pure. He wants us to experience purity in our lives. And some of you grew up in church and you grew up in a time that I did and churches preached about purity in a way that condemned, 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 screamed about STDs and all these things. And what he wants is to live inside of you. He wants a holiness inside of you so that he can be inside of you and live inside of you. He doesn't doesn't condemn you for what you've done. He's right there with you to take you where he's calling you to go. He wants to be with you as you go out into the world. He doesn't want you to be alone. So we hear all these things about who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? This is Jesus. This is Mark chapter 1. You can read it yourself when you go home this week. Mark chapter 1. This is who Jesus is. But it does not end there. It does not end there. Jesus wants to go with you. He wants to help you become more like him. Do you know what the word Christian means? It means little Christ. We are to example our lives on him. Those wristbands we used to have, they say, what would Jesus do? It's more like, who is Jesus? How do we become like Jesus? We want to be more like Jesus. And some of these are like, oh, yeah, I could do that. That's totally easy. Like, I can can fit in with that but some of these are like, be by myself, rest, I'm a workhorse, like, some of you pride yourselves on the fact that you are, like, an amazing worker, and that's great, God calls us to that, too, but he calls us to a time of rest, too, some of us struggle with the fact that he responds to healing, or he responds to faith, but does he respond to my faith, well, I don't know, Some of us are struggling with insecurity and arrogance. We all have struggles in some of these areas, and Jesus wants to come in and bring you into his life to bring you closer to him. And the other thing that Jesus is, Jesus is someone that wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to come into your life And I wish I could say all your names right now and say this is for you, 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 and you. It's for all of you. Jesus wants to go into your life and he wants to bring healing into your life. He wants to do this in a new and fresh way. Maybe you followed after Jesus with your entire life. You've experienced Jesus uh, a long time ago, but you haven't experienced him recently, but you need healing in your life. What I'd ask you to do right now is would you stand with me? So I can pray over you today. God, I thank you for all of the people in this room today. I ask that you would bring healing into their lives today, Lord. That you would be the central focus of everything that they do, Lord. I ask that you would be their primary focus in everything that they do and who they are, Lord. That you would speak to their hearts, speak to their minds, speak to their spirit today about what it is that, is that is their first step in their relationship with you, God. I know there are people here today who have been following after you with all of their heart for many, many years. But some of, some of the people here might have a shaky relationship with you after a long time, Lord. And I ask that you would speak to them. Bring life to the dry bones, Lord. And if anyone here today has never given their life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today. And all you have to do is raise your hand. I'll count to three and you can just raise your hand up. Um, But if today is the day that you want to give him everything, and maybe you've been here for a long time and you're like, man, if I raise my hand, everybody's going to be looking around. Don't look, guys. Just give give them their time. Jesus wants to come into your life, and he doesn't care if you faked it for 20 years or if you're just now deciding this, if this is what you want, I wanna give you an an opportunity to raise your hand. So one, two, three, would you raise your hand if you wanna follow Jesus today? Thank you, thank you. And what I'd like to ask you guys to do is just to repeat after me as a prayer of confession to Jesus um, and then everyone just do this as a sign of confession to him. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my everything. I make you the king of my life, and I surrender everything in me to you. I love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Victory Faith, would you celebrate?